0: Section twenty-three of Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, eighteen thirty-eight to eighteen thirty-nine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, eighteen thirty-eight to eighteen thirty-nine, by Francis ANN Kimball. SECTION 23. DEAR E. This is the fourth day that I've had a gang of lads working in the woods, for me, after their task hours, for pay. You cannot think how zealous and energetic they are. I dare say the novelty of the process pleases them almost as much as the money they earn. I must say they quite deserve their small wages. Last night I received a present from Mrs. Blank of a drumfish which animal I had never beheld before, and which seemed to me first cousin to the great leviathan. It is to be eaten, and is certainly the biggest fish-food I ever saw. However, everything is in proportion, and the prawns that came with it are upon a similarly extensive scale. This magnificent piscatorial bounty was accompanied by a profusion of Hamilton green peas, really a munificent supply. I went out early after breakfast with Jack, hunting for new paths. We rode all along the road by Jones's Creek, and most beautiful it was. We skirted the plantation burial ground, and a dismal place it looked, the cattle trampling over it in every direction except where Mr. had had an enclosure put up round the graves of two white men who had worked on the estate. They were strangers, and of course utterly indifferent to the people here but by virtue of their white skins, their resting place was protected from the hoofs of the cattle, while the parents and children, wives, husbands, brothers, and sisters of the poor slaves sleeping beside them, might see the graves of those they loved trampled upon and browsed over, desecrated and defiled, from morning till night. There is something intolerably cruel in this disdainful denial of a common humanity pursuing these wretches even when they are hid beneath the earth. The day was exquisitely beautiful, and I explored a new woodpath, and found it all strewed with a lovely wild flower not much unlike a primrose. I spent the afternoon at home. I dread going out twice a day now, on account of the heat and the sandflies. While I was sitting by the window, Abraham, our cook, went by with some most revolting-looking raw material part, I think, of the interior of the monstrous drumfish of which I have told you. I asked him with considerable disgust what he was going to do with it. He replied, Oh, we colored people eat it, missus, said I. Why do you say we colored people? Because, missus, white people won't touch what we too glad of. That, said I, is because you are poor and do not often have meat to eat. Not because you are colored, Abraham. Rich white folks will not touch what poor white folks are too glad of. It has nothing in the world to do with color. And if there were white people here worse off than you—amazing and inconceivable suggestion, I fear—they would be glad to eat what you perhaps would not touch. Profound pause of meditation on the part of Abraham, wound up by a considerate, well missus i suppose so after which he departed with the horrid-looking offal to-day saturday i took another ride of discovery round the fields by jones's i think i shall soon be able to survey this estate i have ridden so carefully over it in every direction but my rides are drawing to a close and even were i to remain here this must be the case unless i got up and rode under the stars in the cool of the night this afternoon i was obliged to drive up to st annie's i had promised the people several times that i would do so i went after dinner and as late as i could and found very considerable improvement in the whole condition of the place the houses had all been swept and some of them actually scoured the children were all quite tolerably clean they had put slats across all their windows and little chicken gates to the doors to keep out the poultry there was a poor woman lying in one of the cabins in a wretched condition she begged for a bandage but i do not see of what great use that can be to her as long as she has to hoe in the field so many hours a day which i cannot prevent returning home israel undertook to pilot me across the cotton fields into the pine land and a more excruciating process than being dragged over that very uneven surface in that wood wagon without springs, I did never endure. Mitigated and soothed through it was by the literally fascinating account my charioteer gave me of the rattlesnakes with which the place we drove through becomes infested as the heat increases. I cannot say that his description of them, though more demonstrative as far as regarded his own horror of them, was really worse than that which Mr. was giving me of them yesterday. He said they were very numerous and were found in every direction all over the plantation, but that they did not become really vicious until quite late in the summer. Until then it appears that they generally endeavour to make off if one meets them, but during the intense heats of the latter part of July and August they never think of escaping, but at any sight or sound which they may consider inimical they instantly coil themselves for a spring the most intolerable proceeding on their part however that he described was their getting up into the trees and either coiling themselves in or depending from the branches there is something too revolting in the idea of serpents looking down upon one from the shade of the trees to which one may betake oneself for shelter in the dreadful heat of the southern midsummer decidedly i do not think the dog days would be pleasant here the moccasin snake which is nearly as deadly as the rattlesnake abounds all over the island in the evening i had a visit from mr Blank and mr Blank, who officiates to-morrow at our small island church the conversation i had with these gentlemen was sad enough they seem good and kind and amiable men and i have no doubt are conscientious in their capacity of slaveholders but to one who has lived outside this dreadful atmosphere the whole tone of their discourse has a morally muffled sound which one must hear to be able to conceive mr blank told me that the people on this plantation not going to church was the result of a positive order from mr blank who had peremptorily forbidden their doing so and of course to have infringed that order would have been to incur severe corporal chastisement bishop it seems had advised that there should be periodical preaching on the plantations which said mr blank would have obviated any necessity for the people of different estates congregating at any given point at stated times which might perhaps be objectionable and at the same time would meet the reproach which was now beginning to be directed towards the southern planters as a class of neglecting the eternal interest of their dependents but mr blank had equally objected to this he seems to have held religious teaching a mighty dangerous thing and how right he was i have met with conventional cowardice of various shades and shapes in various societies that i have lived in but anything like the pervading timidity of tone which i find here on all subjects but above all on that of the condition of the slaves i have never dreamed of truly slavery begets slavery and the perpetual state of suspicion and apprehension of the slaveholders is a very handsome offset to say the least of it against the fetters and the lash of the slaves poor people one and all but especially poor oppressors of the oppressed the attitude of these men is really pitiable they profess perhaps some of them strive to do so indeed to consult the best interests of their slaves, and yet shrink back terrified from the approach of the slightest intellectual or moral improvement which might modify their degraded and miserable existence. I do pity these deplorable servants of two masters more than any human beings I have ever seen, more than their own slaves a thousand times. Today is Sunday, and I have been to the little church on the island it is the second time since i came down to the south that i have been to a place of worship a curious little incident prefaced my going thither this morning i had desired israel to get my horse ready and himself to accompany me as i meant to ride to church and you cannot imagine anything droller than his horror and dismay when he at length comprehended that my purpose was to attend divine service in my riding habit i asked him what was the trouble for though i saw something was creating a dreadful convulsion in his mind i had no idea what it was till he told me adding that he had never seen such a thing on st simon's in his life as who should say such a thing was never seen in hyde park or the tuileries before you may imagine my amusement but presently i was destined to shock something much more serious than poor israel's sense of les convenances et bien and it was not without something of an effort that I made up my mind to do so. I was standing at the open window speaking to him about the horses, and telling him to get ready to ride with me, when George, another of the men, went by with a shade or visor to his cap, exactly the shape of the one I left behind at the north, and for want of which I have been suffering severely for the intense heat and glare of the sun for the last week. I asked him to hand me his cap, saying, I want to take the pattern of that shade.' Israel exclaimed, "'Ah, missus, not to-day. Let him lead the cap with you to-morrow, but don't cut pattern on the sabbath-day.' It seemed to me a much more serious matter to offend this scruple than the prejudice with regard to praying in a riding-habit. Still, it had to be done. "'Do you think it wrong, Israel?' said I. "'To work on Sunday?' "'Yes, missus. Parson-tell was so then israel be sure you never do it did your parson never tell you that your conscience was for yourself and not for your neighbors israel oh yes missis he tell we that too then mind that too israel the shade was cut out and stitched upon my cap and protected my eyes from the fierce glare of the sun and sand as i rode to church on our way we came to a field where the young corn was coming up THE CHILDREN WERE IN THE FIELD, LITTLE LIVING SCARECROWS WATCHING IT, OF COURSE, AS ON A WEEKDAY, TO KEEP OFF THE BIRDS. I MADE ISRAEL OBSERVE THIS, WHO REPLIED, AH, Missus, IF THE PEOPLE'S CORN LEFT ONE WHOLE DAY NOT WATCHED, NOT ONE BLADE OF IT REMAIN TO ma. IT MUST BE WATCHED, Missus. WHAT, ON THE SABBATH DAY, ISRAEL? YES, Missus, OR ELSE WE LOSE IT ALL. I was not sorry to avail myself of this illustration of the nature of works of necessity, and proceeded to enlighten Israel with regard to what I conceived to be the genuine observance of the Sabbath. You cannot imagine anything wilder or more beautiful than the situation of the little rustic temple in the woods where I went to worship to-day, with the magnificent live oaks standing round it, and its picturesque burial-ground the disgracefully neglected state of the latter its broken and ruinous enclosure and its shaggy weed-grown graves tell a strange story of the residents of this island who are content to leave the resting-place of their dead in so shocking a condition in the tiny little chamber of a church the grand old litany of the episcopal church of england was not a little shorn of its ceremonial stateliness clerk there was none nor choir nor organ and the clergyman did duty for all giving out the hymn and then singing it himself followed as best might be by the uncertain voices of his very small congregation the smallest i think i ever saw gathered in a christian place of worship even counting a few of the negroes who had ventured to place themselves standing at the back of the church an infringement on their part upon the privileges of their betters as mr generally preaches a second sermon to them after the white service to which as a rule they are not admitted. On leaving the church I could not but smile at the quaint and original costumes with which Israel had so much dreaded a comparison for my irreproachable London riding habit. However, the strangeness of it was what inspired him with terror, but at that rate I am afraid a Paris gown and bonnet might have been an equal danger of shocking his prejudices there was quite as little affinity with the one as the other in the curious specimens of the art of dressing that gradually distributed themselves among the two or three indescribable machines to use the appropriate scotch title drawn up under the beautiful oak trees on which they departed in various directions to the several plantations on the island i mounted my horse and resumed my ride and my conversation with israel he told me that mr s great objection to the people going to church was their meeting with the slaves from the other plantations and one reason he added that he did not wish them to do that was that they trafficked and bartered away the cooper's wares tubs piggins etc made on the estate i think however from everything i hear of that gentleman that the mere fact of the hampton people coming in contact with the slaves of other plantations would be a thing he would have deprecated as a severe disciplinarian he was probably right in the course of our talk a reference i made to the bible and israel's answer that he could not read made me ask him why his father had never taught any of his sons to read old jacob i know can read what followed i shall never forget he began by giving all sorts of childish unmeaning excuses and reasons for never having tried to learn became confused and quite incoherent and then suddenly stopping and pulling up his horse said with a look and manner that went to my very heart missus what for me learn to read me had no prospect i rode on without venturing to speak to him again for a little while when i had recovered from that remark of his i explained to him that though indeed without prospect in some respects yet. Reading might avail him much to better his condition, moral, mental, and physical. He listened very attentively and was silent for a minute, after which he said All you say very true, missus and me sorry now me let the time pass. But you know what the white man that governed the estate him seemed to like and favor, that the people find out very soon and do it. Now massa blank, him never favor I reading, him not like it likely as not he lick you if he find you reading or if you wish to teach your children him I always say pooh teach him to read teach him to work according to that we never paid much attention to it but now it will be different it was different in former times the old folks of my father and mother's time could read more than we can and i expect the people would dare to give some thought to it again now there's a precious sample of what one man's influence may do in his own sphere dear e this man israel is a remarkably fine fellow in every way with a frank open and most intelligent countenance which rises before me with its look of quiet sadness whenever i think of those words and they haunt me i have no respect on my arrival at home i found that a number of the people not knowing i had gone to church had come up to the house hoping that i would read prayers to them and had not gone back to their homes but waited to see me i could not bear to disappoint them for many of them had come from the farthest settlements on the estate and so though my hot ride had tired me a good deal and my talk with israel troubled me profoundly i took off my habit and had them all in and read the afternoon service to them when it was over two of the women venus and trusa asked if they might be permitted to go to the nursery and see the children their account of the former condition of the estate was a corroboration of israel's they said that the older slaves on the plantation had been far better off than the younger ones of the present day that major Blank was considerate and humane to his people and that the women were especially carefully treated but they said mr Blank had ruined all the young women with working them too soon after their confinements and as for the elder ones he would kick them curse them turn their clothes over their heads flog them unmercifully himself and abuse them shamefully no matter what condition they were in they both ended with fervent thanks to god that he had left the estate and rejoicing that we had come and above all that we had made young missus for them venus went down on her knees exclaiming Ah, oh, missus, i glad now, and when I am dead, i glad in my grave that you come to us and bring us little missus. Dear E, I still go on exploring, or rather surveying, the estate, the aspect of which is changing every day with the unfolding of the leaves and the wonderful profusion of wild flowers. The cleared ground all round the new building is one sheet of blooming blue of various tints. It is perfectly exquisite but in the midst of my delight at these new blossoms i am most sorrowfully bidding adieu to that paragon of parasites the yellow jasmine i think i must have gathered the very last blossoms of it to-day nothing can be more lovely nothing so exquisitely fragrant i was surprised to recognize by their foliage to-day some fine mulberry trees by jones's creek perhaps they are the remains of the silkworm experiment that mr Blank persuaded major Blank to try so ineffectually while i was looking at some wild plum and cherry trees that were already swarming with blight in the shape of multitudinous caterpillars nests an ingenious darky by name cudgy asked me if i could explain to him why the trees blossomed out so fair and then all went off into a kind of dying Having directed his vision and attention to the horrid white glistening webs, all lined with their brood of black devourers, I left him to draw his own conclusions. The afternoon was rainy, in spite of which I drove to Boosan Hill, and had a talk with Bran about the vile caterpillar blights on the wild plum-trees, and asked him if it would not be possible to get some sweet grafts from Mr. Blank for some of the wild fruit-trees, of which there are such quantities perhaps however they are not worth grafting bran promised me that the people should not be allowed to encumber the paths and the front of their houses with unsightly and untidy heaps of oyster shells he promised all sorts of things i wonder how soon after i am gone they will all return into the condition of brutal filth and disorder in which i found them the men and women had done their work here by half-past three the chief labour in the cotton-fields however is both earlier and later in the season at present they have little to do but let the crop grow in the evening i had a visit from the son of a very remarkable man who had been one of the chief drivers on the estate in major Blank's time and his son brought me a silver cup which major Blank had given his father as a testimonial of approbation with an inscription on it recording his fidelity and trustworthiness at the time of the invasion of the coast of georgia by the english troops was not that a curious reward for a slave who was supposed not to be able to read his own praises and yet from the honourable pride with which his son regarded this relic i am sure the master did well so to reward his servant though it seemed hard that the son of such a man should be a slave maurice himself came with his father's precious silver cup in his hand to beg for a small pittance of sugar and for a prayer-book and also to know if the privilege of a milk-cow for the support of his family which was among the favors major blank allowed his father might not be continued to him he told me he had ten children working for massa and i promised to mention his petition to mr blank on sunday last i rode round the woods near st annie's and met with a monstrous snake which jack called a chicken-snake but whether because it particularly affected poultry as its diet or for what other reason he could not tell me. Nearer home I encountered another gliding creature that stopped a moment just in front of my horse's feet, as if it was too much afraid of being trampled upon to get out of the way. It was the only snake animal I ever saw that I did not think hideous. It was of a perfectly pure apple-green colour, with a delicate line of black like a collar round its throat. It really was an exquisite worm, and Jack said it was harmless. I did not, however, think it expedient to bring it home in my bosom, though if ever I have a pet snake it shall be such an one. In the afternoon I drove to Jones's with several supplies of flannel for the rheumatic women and old men. We have ridden over to Hamilton again to pay another visit to the Blanks, and on our way passed an enormous rattlesnake hanging dead on the bough of a tree dead as it was it turned me perfectly sick with horror and i wished very much to come back to the north immediately where these are not the sort of blackberries that grow on every bush the evening air now after the heat of the day is exquisitely mild and the nights dry and wholesome the whole atmosphere indescribably fragrant with the perfume of flowers and as i stood before going to bed last night watching the slow revolving light on sapello island that warns the ships from the dangerous bar at the river's mouth and heard the measured pulse of the great Atlantic waters on the beach, I thought no more of rattlesnakes, no more for one short while of slavery. How still and sweet and solemn it was End of section twenty three recording by James K. White Chula. Vista.